Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another season of After the Message. Yeah, I thought you. I literally thought you were going to say, "Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls." Yeah, I, I could have said that. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh man, if you're stumbling along this podcast, you're on the Celebration Church Orlando podcast, and this is a segment we like to call After the Message, and we talk about the previous Sunday sermon. And mm-hmm. this is a brand new season this of said brand- podcast. It is. I'm pumped about it, man. The last one we had was in the spring when we did Deconstructed series. Yes. Great, great series and phenomenal, phenomenal after the message conversations. Those were fun. And if you haven't, go back in the archives, check them out. Not mm-hmm. only check out the series, check out the podcast. Yep. Um, we talked to the author of Deconstructed, yes. uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda. Phenomenal. He's phenomenal. a great guy. He's a really good dude. And he was fun to talk to, so... Yeah, and he's just, and he's brilliant. He is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of one of those guys that like makes you feel, well, I don't know anything. Yeah. But the the good thing about him (laughs) is he'll say that about himself. I don't know anything. That's what I like. I love when guys who are brilliant act like they're not. Yeah. Because it at least gives them a a, a veil of humility. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're fooling us. Yeah. Um, Let's 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 talk personal life a little bit. Yeah. Since then, like what's been going on with you since the spring? Catch the people because there may be people who yeah. are kind of on the outside or not on the outside, but maybe not in proximity to Orlando. Yeah. And this is the way that they keep up with what's going on at sure. our church. Man, since spring, um, I feel like I say it all the time, but before this audience, I guess it, it, it has relevance is coming out of the spring. We went into the summer and we went on sabbatical. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a, a really huge deal for for us personally but as well as for our church and it was just amazing so Mm -hmm. um went on an eight-week sabbatical and it was just incredibly refreshing and just amazed at it's i'll say it this way nate it's amazing that when you do something that's god's idea how it works yes it's you know i mean sometimes we look at these things and it's like it's so radical and so extreme but 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 it's god's idea and so for us it was amazing to see one how refreshed we were imagine that Mm -hmm. and then two just how good that the church was and how we were able to lead through that. So that's been the biggest thing I would say, maybe not the biggest, but that was a big part. Mm-hmm. The The other thing is my, my grandson was born. Yes. So now um, we, we are the grandparents of three. So KP3, he's the first boy. So I got him as my screensaver on my phone. Yes. Um, my granddaughters that saw that and they said, where are their pictures? I'm like, man, you guys had like a four year run. <laughs> you guys have been on my phone for a long time. Let's let him get it. Let him get a year. And How'd that I'll, go over? It, they're actually surprisingly rational. Okay. So um, they, they get it. But okay. they but I, I now can have like two screensavers. So I can switch it over. So there I'm not sure go. if that's manipulation or tricking, but you just got to do what you got to do. No, no, no. You're on, it. you're on it. You're on it. You're here. Like here, right here. I got you. So, so, so there's that, man. But other than that, just, just living life and enjoying it, man. And just, just grateful for the life I get to live, the mm. people I get to live it with and what I get to do, man. It's just, I'm just full of joy. Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday. Um, just no matter if you're in ministry or not, just, you know, just even, the relationship with God. Sometimes we just forget the simple joy and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Man, thanks. Yep. Thank you so much. But um, we are in our new season, like I said, of After the Message, because we're uh, in a brand new series called Grace to You. Yeah. And we are looking at the book of Romans. Um, and 
you kind of mentioned, and you and I have talked off air, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, about how this letter from the Apostle Paul has impacted us mm-hmm. personally uh, thousands of years later and how we both kind of have a history of this. But y- you mentioned it on Sunday, so I kind of want to ask you about it. What what has Romans meant to you in your journey? What was the what was kind of the beginning uh, of your faith l- through the through the lens of Romans, yeah. I guess you would say. Well, um, man, that's, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. So um, the church that I got, like, radically saved in, um, I guess, I, I don't know what the structure, how you would define it, but the, the, the theological teaching was always looking at the, the practical moves of God in the Old Testament and seeing it expressed in the New Testament. Hmm. And so... Um, so we would look at the Exodus narrative, which right. I talk about all the time, but that was how I was spiritually raised with watching and seeing, hey, the children of Israel, they were in Egypt, and then they were in the wilderness, and they were trying to get to the promised land. Um, and this was the hand of God through all of it. So that was kind of like the, the undercurrent. And then you see these things fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus went to the cross, that was the ultimate fulfillment of the sacrificial system. So logically and spiritually, it all made sense. Mm. So that was my my trajectory. So I'll say my first year, I was immersed in like Old Testament theology and the Gospels and seeing how Jesus is the fulfillment of it. But if if I can be honest, there were still parts of it that were fractured. Hmm. So what I think Romans did so brilliantly when I finally got to it, probably about a year into my walk with God, because I was reading the Exodus narrative and then reading the Gospels and, and whatever our pastor was preaching at the time. But when I read when I read Romans, I feel like Romans does a brilliant job of connecting all the dots in a way that I guess the Apostle Paul is only equipped to do Mm. because with him being Jewish, um, but with him also being a Roman citizen, but also having this Greek wisdom, he was able to leverage all of these things and weave it all together. And though it was written in antiquity, it had so much relevance today where I could see the, 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 the Jewish influence. I could also see the Greek thinking influence, but I could also understand being part of a culture. And so for me, it just clicked. I, it made sense to me. No mm-hmm. longer was my faith compartmentalized in isolation, but like I think Paul does a brilliant job of fulfilling um, Old Testament stuff, how Christ fulfills it and brings it all together, but also how do you walk it out in a Roman, I guess, paganistic culture context? Like it just hit all mm-hmm. the boxes for me. So it like it changed everything for me. When you say it made sense for you, there's probably a lot of people listening. Well, when I read the Bible, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? (laughs) And so can you attribute that to anything? Is it just, is it perseverance? Is it a a partnership with the Holy Spirit? You know, there's several elements I think that go into play with things clicking. And, And I think the beauty of it is, you never really arrive to where, all right, I got the Bible figured out, you know, and that's, that's the great part of our walk with Christ. But, but when you say that, help someone who is like, man, this isn't clicking. Yeah, man. I think, so there's, there's a couple of things. Um, one, it is perseverance. It's, it's absolutely understanding that. Yeah. We're it's, this is not, um, something that you're going to read and you're going to understand it immediately. Like you, you, especially to have a healthy interpretation of scripture, it, it takes, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. So one, it certainly takes perseverance. It also takes like having the right tools. Um, because I think in my the beginning stages of my faith, and, and, I, and I persevere through it, but I wish I had the resources then that's available now, is that I, I exclusively read from the King James translation. Not even the new King James, Nate, like <laughs> King James. Um, and, and that's okay, that was what our culture used, yeah. and you just, 
So there's so many things that like, we just don't talk that way and you didn't understand it. And, and so you're forcing yourself to fit into a box that's kind of written in the 1600s and you're trying yourself to, what does that mean in our current context? And what mm. do these dusts and thous mean? And sometimes those things get lost in translation. So you have to have the right supporting tools to at least understand what's trying to be said. So I had a good study Bible. Um, but then honestly, having a, a mature community around mm. me was, the, was a big part. Mm. Um, because, and, and I've shared this before, not only having friends who had different beliefs that kind of challenged me, that was um, part of the motivation for me really wanting to like, not just say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, I don't understand why, but I felt like I needed to be able to not only defend it, but I also wanted to be able to encourage my friends yeah. that I felt were away from it. So I felt that gave me an extra level of tenacity. Um, but then too, I would take questions to people who've been walking with God for years, primarily my pastor at the time. And, and, and so that relationship helped me to stay inspired. Um, I would literally read every passage of scripture our pastor would reference on Sundays. I would go back and reread them so I could understand it for myself and not just like highlight it in my Bible and never go back to it. So those things played a part. But if, but if we're real, those were like fragmented thoughts mm. and fragmented concepts about God. So, you know, you go to church and a lot of times you're, you're jumping onto a, a, a highway that's already got cars on it that's already in motion. Mm. And so the on-ramps are meant to allow anyone to get on. But a lot of times you're, you're catching up with the momentum that's already there. So you hear a, per, a pastor preach a certain message and it's like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I like it. I'm leaving inspired. But I don't know where that fits into the overall theological mm. concept of who God is. Mm. And so you're, in, you're inspired, you're motivated, you're encouraged, but you don't know where it all fits. Romans, to me, was the thing that made it all fit together. So gotcha. yet that helped me. And so community, um, good study Bible, started getting... <laughs> some commentaries that kind of help support that and, um, and just having conversations with my pastor and just like, man, I, help me to understand this. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a game changer for me. You've mentioned it a few times. And so I definitely want to talk about it is <clears throat> the, and I don't think that we're talking about it within the church itself, but a lot of things that contributed, obviously the advancement of technology, the way we're all connected, uh, 2020, obviously mm -hmm. with the pandemic and, and making, or, you know, kind of forcing our hand to go online and stuff, which was a lot of, we learned a lot of great things mm -hmm. out of that. And there was a lot of good fruit that came from it, um, to use a Bible term, but what, what is the role, I guess, of the, the local pastor and, and you also mentioned resources, mm -hmm. right? So when we grew up, whoever whatever church we were a part of that was our spiritual authority you know yep. we looked at that person now we can hear so many different voices yes. and i think that there's a lot of people who who can get confused or there's a lot of people who um sometimes they don't know where to turn do you mm -hmm. get what i'm yep, do you get where i'm sure. going with this pastor keith is yeah. is what do you think is a proper a view of the local pastor versus being able to listen to somebody out west that you mm -hmm. may not have the opportunity to visit on a Sunday. Man, I think um, that's that's a, a great question, and I think 2020 certainly has caused a lot of people to recalibrate and ask that question. But I think the I think the answer is is found in the model that Christ has given us and and what Scripture tells us. So, pastoring is always referred to as shepherding. It's always referred to, the, to mm. that. And so um, without going into a, a litany of the varying responsibilities of a shepherd, but ultimately we know it's to guide, mm -hmm. um, to protect, and to ultimately to, to lead. So mm -hmm. you just know like your, your job as a shepherd 
is to do those things. And so when you use the shepherding as the context in which we are looking at all of this and we kind of like use our modern language, you understand that um, a, a shepherd or a pastor is guiding God's people. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guiding us in the direction, in the, in the ways of God. That's part one. Protecting, that means that we're, we're, we're trying to create equipping because when Paul talks about the equipping of the saints, mm-hmm. it's, it's equipping us for something that could be standing against us. Um, so you understand that that's a, a role in it as well. And then ultimately feeding the sheep. And so I think what I look to my primary responsibility is, man, I, I, need, to, I need to lead us. I need to protect us. I need to make sure that, that, we're, that we're adequately being developed with the things that God has for us. And what I believe is so important with a, a local pastor is in that also is correction. In mm-hmm. that is encouragement. In that is walking through the most difficult seasons, but walking and celebrating the most high ones. Where I feel that our current culture, because of the access of information, which I absolutely love, is we don't get the relational connection. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that relate the lack of relational connection also means there's a lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. And then that means that we end up becoming people who are great at pursuing the things that we want to pursue and walking away from the things that makes us uncomfortable. Mm. Because if I listen to a podcast at the end of the day, I can take what I like and there's no one to challenge me Mm. on things that I actually need to deal with things that I may be running away from. And so I believe what happens when you're part of a community is that it allows you to not only be part of something that's bigger than you, but it actually allows you to be challenged. It allows you to have people that have been on your journey and say like, you know what? I recognize that you are easily offended. Like let's walk through this together instead of I'm offended and I'm walking away. But mm-hmm. when you're connected to a pastor, but to a local community, I believe that there's more fruit in your growth because it forces you to walk through it. And honestly, that was the context of the church. Like there wasn't churches on every corner and I'm grateful that we have so many options. Yeah. But I think unfortunately we can turn into consumer Christians. Mm-hmm. And as a consumer, if I go to a store and, and they don't treat me right or if there's something that I'm not feeling, I move on to the next. Rightfully so. It's my money. But when we approach God in the house of God that way, we actually don't work through the things. We don't, one, learn how to function with unity. And then, two, we don't learn how to get over things. Mm. And we just end up carrying a fence. But in the early church, they didn't have churches on every corner. So it was like a process that we need to figure this out. Yeah, We're going to work through this. And yeah. so I believe that uh, the shepherd's job is to make sure that if we can stay together, we can grow together, we can challenge each other, we're going to step on each other's toes, but we're going to figure this thing out all together in community, and I believe that's the way that God had intended it. Yeah. You mentioned the early church, and we talked about it briefly on Sunday, but, but who is the Apostle Paul writing to? Why is he writing to them? Um, and, and what's kind of the—and this is the longest of his letters, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so why the extensiveness of what he's writing in that? situation yeah that's i wish i had time to get into it on sunday and it, it'll probably leak through it that's why points. we have this man that's why, this is why tune we have in this. after the message that's right you get what you don't get on yes. sunday you know what i need to do i need to do like point one and point two and a half and then say like hey on thursday three point be, three is dropping three, on. like yeah that'll be something we're going to do so maybe we'll shift to that okay. um so with the apostle paul of course like the, I, I mentioned earlier that he is uh he, he was a jewish man um he was a pharisee which uh which was a a priestly um, sect within Judaism. They are the ones who like consistently went over the word of God. They're those ones who were really, really devoted to God's word. They were measuring everything in culture according Mm -hmm. to God's word. So they were that group of people. They were some of Jesus' most harshest critics. So he came from that family. He was raised in that. And so um, 
literally part of their the way that they would like graduate into adulthood, which we would refer to in our current context as like a, a bar mitzvah, is like that wasn't just a, a milestone you hit with age. It was a requirement that you had to memorize the mm. the law. That's like the first five books of the Bible, as well as many of the Psalms as well. So this brother was smart. Mm. He was sharp. Um, and then he went into the pipeline because what typically would happen in that culture is if you didn't have, quote unquote, what it takes to kind of get into the, 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 the school of thought with religion, then you just kind of learned a trade. Mm. So Paul was in the pipeline. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, learned under some of the top um, Pharisee teachers. So he was this guy who understood God's word profoundly. Mm. So then, um, of course, Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus is doing this thing and all these Pharisees are trying to measure whether Jesus is the Messiah according to their understanding of scripture. So we don't see Paul really emerge onto the scene until after Christ is gone. The church has now been birthed. And so now Paul is standing against the, against the, the way as it was called back then, but the Christians, what we refer to now, mm -hmm. he was opposing it because it didn't measure in his understanding. He has this radical encounter with God, road to Damascus. You can read about it in the book of Acts, but it was a moment where Christ revealed himself to him. And I think a lot of times we refer to Paul, we, we refer to like, um, that that story as Paul's conversion. I believe if you were to have a conversation with Paul, you would he would not call it a conversion. He wouldn't say that I converted to Christianity. What he recognizes that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Mm -hmm. He would have looked at it as a graduation or the fulfillment of what he already believed. An upgrade. Come on, Nate. Um, he would have looked at it as that instead of like a a conversion experience as we probably would define it. Mm -hmm. So now that he's got this. God, in his infinite wisdom, was using all of Paul's previous experiences, his tenacity, his understanding of the law, his understanding of Rome, because he was a Roman citizen, but also because he was fluent in Greek culture and Greek thinking. God was using all of those previous experiences and said, okay, now I want to use you and all the things you've accumulated, but now empowered by my spirit and with the vision of the church, and I want to release you out to go and now reach the very environments um, that you once used to avoid. So now Paul has then inspired by the Holy Spirit, and has all this wisdom. So when he says, um, I'm all things to all men, like, he's literally saying, if I'm talking to a Jewish guy, I could speak the things of God to him mm. in the language of Jew. If I'm talking to a Greek guy who doesn't believe in the Roman pantheon, or doesn't believe in Yahweh, I can speak to him off of Greek thinking and philosophy. So he weaves in philosophical ideas mm. in his writings. And if I'm talking to a Roman guy, he understands order, authority, and Caesar, so I can speak that language. Paul was brilliant. So Paul, up to this point, after he has this encounter and he faces a great deal of persecution, he, he knows that God has empowered him and graced him to reach the Gentiles, but also to reach the Jews as well. So he feels a responsibility, which we'll find in the book of Romans. He says in the first chapter, it's his obligation. He feels mm -hmm. obligated to go out. Like, it's like, God has been so good to me and what I am experiencing, I feel an obligation to my fellow man for them to experience this as well. So he's motivated by it. But for Paul, this is his sixth letter. So he's written five letters before that. And what we find with the apostle Paul, which I love so much, N.T. Wright has a book called um, Paul, phenomenal book. But what it does is it's, that book does a great job at showing Paul's theological evolution. Mm. It shows that when Paul's early writings and he's figuring out how to address things with the Thessalonian church, how does he address things with the Galatian church? Honestly, it's the same message spoken to a different environment. And so you can see that he's working through the way that he wants to communicate it. By the time he gets to writing to the Roman church, 
he knows exactly how he wants mm -hmm. to say things. So now he's writing with very clear understanding of the grace of God. He addresses the, the um, Judaism. He expresses how Jesus is the fulfillment. Like, so the reason why I think it's Paul's longest writing is because he's taking those previous five books that he's written up to this point, his experiences, and he's saying, okay, I want to lay out an argument on the righteousness of God, the, the presence of sin, which is why, the right, why Jesus' sacrifice was necessary, the undergirding of grace in all of this, um, but also a witness also to my Jewish brothers and sisters, but also letting them know about Christian conduct. He literally takes mm. all of these experiences with the different churches and all his experience and puts it all into the book of Romans. So mm. that's my very long answer as to who Paul was writing to, why he was writing it, and what he was inspired by. It's like his masterpiece yes. is what you're basically saying. Exactly, yeah. yes. And a lot of people would refer to this as um, the most theologically systematic yep. and sound. So, you know, systematic theology is a um, a study of theology. Mm -hmm. Is is that important, A? Like, is theology important? Mm -hmm. And if so, to the common man, you know, and not in a derogatory term, but just anybody that is not necessarily in vocational ministry, yeah. if you will, and to what level of importance is it and um, how does it applicable to, to their lives? Yeah, absolutely. I do it. I believe it is. Okay. Um, so theology, a simple definition would be it's, it's how we think of God or the way we think of God. That's what theology basically is, are the, the mechanisms or the methodology of how we think about God. The reason why I think it's important is because the way that we see God determines how we approach him and how we approach him determines how we basically expect to see him move through us as well as through mm -hmm. culture. So case in point being this, um, if I think that God is a God of wrath, anger, judgment, then I'm going to approach him in such a way that not a healthy fear that the Bible describes as reverence but a, a fear of not wanting to approach him at all, maybe fearing that my sins are still before me and I don't want to interact with God much at all. But when my theology show, tells me that, no, I can go boldly before the throne of grace um, and I can get help in my times of need, now I can know that I can approach God knowing that I'm weak, but knowing that I'm going to experience his mm -hmm. love because of the way that I think about God. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for even the common person to have a healthy way that we think about God so that we can have a healthy way that we can approach God so that we can actually receive what God wants to do through us. Yeah. You mentioned also that this is used to, uh, by students of law. Is yeah. that, is that correct? Yeah. What, what, what do they use this for? So, um, this was, I, I read this in another commentary and I have it in my notes. So if anybody wants to ask me like a reference for it, I can okay. share it with them. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't have it. But in one of the commentaries I was reading where, um, because it's so systematic in the way that he approaches it, that secular professors have examined it and said, this is a brilliant way mm. um, to look at what it means to make an argument and then to anticipate the rebuttals to the arguments in the way that Paul responds to it. So literally, and so when I was reading it through that lens and I was reading over Romans again, you can see that whenever Paul introduces a new thought, he supports that thought as if he's already responding to the people who would challenge the thought. Got it. So literally for people that were in practicing law, and again, I don't remember which schools that were using it, they were saying like, so this is how you introduce a thought, and then you take away the argument of the other people before they even get a chance to make mm -hmm. it. It's like when you're uh, having a um, 
what would you call it? A, you know, a little bit of a feisty discussion with your wife. I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what Caleb used to call it back with um, Megan and I when he was younger. He would call it fight talking. <laughs> he said, you and mom were fight talking. I'm like, man, is that is that how he sees it? So, yes, spirited debate, discussion or fight talk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the series is called uh, Grace to You. And uh, Grace is, for whatever reason, one of the most uh, loaded Mm-hmm. words that we have especially in in our modern context of trying to understand what it all means and uh you touched kind of on the definition on Sunday mm-hmm. and stuff but I guess I want to start with why why do you think there are so many there are so many different interpretations of grace yeah. like how have we not collectively landed on it you know cuz you you'll hear you'll hear varying degrees of what it is from from different people man you know I think oddly it comes back to your earlier question, which is our theology. Hmm. Um, I believe the reason why there's such a, a broad range of interpretations of grace is because there's such a broad range of our theology hmm. as it relates to God. Hmm. So grace is this overflow of the goodness of God. It's, it's when God gives us something that we absolutely don't deserve. Hmm. So, so mercy is not getting what you deserve grace is getting something you don't deserve mm-hmm. so there's a there's a distinction there so it's like god giving you his best even though we deserved his worst so mm-hmm. grace and mercy are working hand in hand um but unfortunately if i have a a theological mindset that god's grace isn't for me then i will believe that god's grace is only available to certain people or i could have a mindset that says because god's grace is for me then it doesn't require anything of me. Mm. And so what I think Paul does in this letter is he shows that God's grace is for us, but it also is in us, it works through us, and then it comes out of us, meaning, yes, as Paul would say, and we'll talk about this later in the series, shall I continue in sin so that grace can abound? God forbid, absolutely not. Mm. Grace is not a covering of our sins only, it's, it's actually giving us deliverance from sin as well. So mm. grace in all of its many forms is not just one thing, it's, it's all the things. It's, yes, it's part of God choosing us. Yes, it's, it's Christ being extended to us, but it also is meant to change us. So grace is literally meant to transform us. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the, you, your three points there, you know, new status, new family, new future. Mm-hmm. My first question is, were you really trying to search for a word that began with F for point number one <laughs> and be honest? Um, I did. Yes. I did. And, and then if it was my earlier days, I would have spent days <laughs> mulling over it. And I may have even changed my points if I couldn't have found it. But, you know, <laughs> Nate, you know, after you've been doing this thing as long as I am, I'm like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I got to get some sleep. Yeah. So we're going to get to the point and we're going to move on from it. So <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> let's talk about that first point. New status, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a, a new status, which would, you know, theologically speaking, we mm-hmm. would call justification. Yep. Can, you, can you touch on justification a little bit? Absolutely. So, um, gosh, man, this this is. We got time. So. Okay, so I was going to say, like, this is this is this is weighty. So, we got time. you know, ultimately, kind of like what we shared in the message that we, we've inherited our sin nature from the original sin, Adam and Eve. So I won't get into all the, 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 the nuances of that, but we, we were born into this status of being sinners, born into a sinful world, broken. It's just the reality of what we inherited by nature of us coming after Adam and Eve's first sin. Um, so we are not justified before God. That means that every negative sin that is connected to us in our minds, our thoughts, our behavior, it's still with us. 
so to be justified there's a there's a cliche christian pastor statement that says it's justified never sinned mm. so so i never heard that you never heard that no are you kidding me that's pretty good I should have said it then. I, don't, I shouldn't have gave anybody credit for it. Like, man, I was praying about this and the Lord put this in my spirit and then people would have called me out. But like, I heard my pastor say it 30 years ago. Um, but it's like justified, never sin. So okay. it's almost like just totally brand new. Like, let's say you get a, 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 a car that you got off of the junkyard lot and you worked on it and you worked on it and now it looks brand new. It's restored completely. Well, that's ultimately what grace to us has done through the work of Christ. Mm. It's taken us in our most broken condition and it's justified us. It's put us in right standing with God. So now when God sees us, he no longer sees us with our sin first, as scripture would define it, as our sin goes before us. What he sees us is through the lens of the blood of Jesus first, which means that our sins are no longer before us. So when God sees us, he sees us as justified, just as if we never sinned. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and let's talk about the new family part of that. Like, yeah. you know, there's even you mentioned on Sunday, there could be, uh, mixed reviews, if you will, on that word family or, you yeah. know, different experiences with that. Why, why should I be in God's family? Why is it important for me? And what exactly does that look like? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in scripture, you, you would see that they're referred to as brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and, um, and, and even in Paul's writing, all of the apostles at some point refer to this. Even Jesus introduces this idea of us being children of God. So from a, from a Pharisee theological concept, they, they never viewed individuals as being the children of God. They saw the whole nation of Israel as being the children of God. So when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts saying, like, me and my father, they were already like, hey, man, that, like, we don't say stuff like that. You're making that way too personal, and that is mm-hmm. not the way that, that God operates. They wanted to stone him for saying that. But, but Jesus was introducing this idea to us that, man, like, God is our father. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just something that's collectively connected only to the Israel nation, but in, we need to take personal ownership of our relationship with God. And actually, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, which we'll get into that in later weeks. Um, but he talks about this whole family dynamic. So if God is my father, and I'm not his only child, then that means I have siblings. And as Paul would say, um, we have, we're co-heirs with Christ. That mm-hmm. means that I have brothers and sisters. And so now I understand that not only is God my father, but God, he, he's Nate's father as mm-hmm. well. And when I recognize that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you, Nate, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me, then I recognize that, that God saw enough value in you that he went to the cross Christ did, knowing, knowing every mistake you would make, but yet he still did it anyway. Same thing for me. So if God has value in you and he calls you his son, then I need to have value in you because you're my brother in Christ. Mm. So I think the reason why having this family language is important is even though it may have baggage for some of us, I think like so many other things, God is trying to redefine and bring us back to his pure intent of what family is supposed to be. And family is, yes, we may have differences, we may have conflict, we may have challenges, but we're united in Christ and we work through these things instead of standing on the opposite side of these things. That's the, that's the, that's the behavior of the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy wants to keep us divided. The enemy wants to keep us um, at one another's throats. Again, it doesn't mean that unity means uniformity. It simply means that we're united even in our differences. And that's what I believe family's supposed to be. My children are different than me, but we're mm-hmm. unified. Yeah. And I think that's why that language is so important. Because actually in family, 
there's something bigger than us that connects us, but we're act- we're also still different. Mm. That's why I think family is supposed to be such a crucial part of the way that we understand what it means to be part of the family of God. Yeah, and a beautiful thing as well. Fi- the, finally, the last one was a new future. Yeah. And, and oftentimes we think, uh, you know, the word kind of lends itself to thinking um, way down the road. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What can a new future mean for me right now? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think um, it's meant to inspire hope. So Paul's context and our context is we can lose hope. So we can have faith. I believe in God and I believe that God is real. I can even have trust, which is I'm trusting that what God is going to do or say he's going to do, I'm going to see it at some point in my life. But hope is almost like the, the attitude or the, um, or the emotions that we have while we're on the journey. So when we talk about a, a future in our, in our current context, it's not an, it's not a, an escapism theology, mm. which basically means, oh man, it's going to be better when I get on the other side of, in, in heaven. And, and that certainly is meant to be a large part of it. Um, but it's also understanding that God is with us. He is in us. He's ordering our steps. And because he is with us, he is in us and he's ordering our steps that one, I can have hope. I can be inspired, but also two, knowing that as long as I keep in step with God, another Paul quote, um, then I know that as I'm on this journey, I'm going to cross into what God has for me. So that kind of goes back to Paul's ability to link together these references to the children of Israel. And when specifically when he gets into chapter nine through 11, where he's really kind of like availing to the Israelites and he's showing who Jesus is and the fulfillment of the law and all these other things that he's hitting on. um, At the end of the day, what he's trying to help them to recognize is that remember when we were in Egypt. Remember when we were in Babylon? Remember when we were dealing with the Persians? Mm-hmm. Like the, it, the Israelites have been through a lot. Yeah. And each time they were walking through physical oppression and spiritual oppression, mm-hmm. but there was always still a physical and spiritual next step. Well, that same thing applies to us, that we have a physical next step and we also have a spiritual next step. Mm-hmm. So we have a new future, not only now, but also a new future in the days to come. So we stay inspired and we keep moving forward. I, I, I say it this way. I know a lot of people who have faith but have lost hope, and that lack of hope has caused them to stop moving forward. Mm. And you just end up standing where you are. I still believe that God is God, but I'm not, I don't have hope and I'm not moving forward. So I end up marinating in my season because I've lost hope. What Paul was trying to communicate is that you do have a future, so you do have hope, so keep moving forward. Mm. The children of Israel, man, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll end. When they were in Egypt and they were on their journey going into the promised land, um, only two of the original people made it in, Joshua and Caleb. That's why I named my son that, Caleb Joshua, because I felt like Caleb don't get enough run. I feel like Joshua's always the main guy. He's got a book <laughs> named after him. Joshua but gets the middle name. He get, yeah, but, but Joshua was the middle name, but Caleb was the one who spoke up. That's so right. I, that's why we put his name first. But, but nonetheless, like they were the only two that had a positive report. So, so watch this. God had led them to the edge of the promised land and gave them an opportunity to go into it, but they had lost hope. They didn't see the future. And so they had to go back around the wilderness for 38 more (laughs) years to get that fear and doubt out of them, Mm -hmm. which means this, they had a choice. They had an opportunity to step into what God has for them based on their faith, their trust, and their hope in him. Mm -hmm. And they missed it. So that meant that God's vision for the Israelites didn't change. Mm -hmm. His, His desire for them to step into what God had for them hadn't changed but they had to have an appropriate response to it. So I think the same is said for us, that as God is leading us to what he wants us to have, we have a responsibility, and that is to respond with faith, with hope, and with trust, and to keep 
on walking. If God says we can have it, we can have it. If he says it's for us, it's for us. And we have to trust that with my obedience and God fighting my battle, surely we can get the land. Nate, I'm preaching, man. I'm feeling fired up, brother. <laughs> you can stand up if you want. This mic, this mic adjusts pretty That's right. well. It flows. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, you and I, <clears throat> we often talk during the week or, you know, even on a Sunday sometimes. And sometimes you'll say, you know, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I would have said this better. or I didn't have time to get to this. Was, was there anything from this past week that 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 kind of stuck out to you when you were on your way home and you're like, dang oh, it, man, um, if not, that's OK. You know, I think there's I, I'm getting a little bit better at that. Mm. One, I knew that we were going to have after the message two, because we're approaching an entire book mm. um, in this context. I felt okay because what my message on here's I want to prepare everybody for my message on Sunday was an overarching view of the entirety of the book and the series. So as we preach more, we're still going to talk about these themes because it's literally the undergirding of everything we're talking about. So I felt like, yeah, there's a couple of things I could have said more clearly, but I also know those three points are going to continue to be fleshed out in the things that we're talking about in the weeks to come. So I think I would probably have more to say as we're getting closer to the end of this series, like, oh, I wish I would have brought this in a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, but I feel like it's almost like that, that mulligan, like, okay, I missed this, but hey, next week we're going to be preaching on this and we can connect it into that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Nate's going to be preaching on this this week. And like, so I feel good that anything that hasn't been said will be said because um, it's a marathon. So yeah. in this sense, I feel it's going to be okay. Yeah. And a uh a good idea to make sure you come hang out with us on Sundays and Absolutely. make sure you don't don't miss the series. Even if you're abroad, you're mm-hmm. coming to Disney for the week. Yeah. Come chill with us. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make room for you, man. We got you. <laughs> that and my next question was actually gonna be like, give us a teaser to the rest because this is usually after the message, but you already accomplished that. So Yeah. Man, um Bro, like that's a that's such a loaded question. Yeah, well, you you answered it for the most part. So. Yeah, I th- I think well, you know, we have a we have a lot to hit on. So yeah. the the framework of the first one and even the things we discussed today yeah. that kind of sets the tone for it. Yeah. But oddly enough, man, like even on Sunday, we talked a little bit about sin, mm. but Paul talks about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And and I know that in in our current church context, and we don't like to talk about sin, and because it's just so uncomfortable. But I believe that I love that we can gracefully talk about sin. One, that God, that, that God through the power of Christ, that he's removed the penalty of sin, mm-hmm. but he's also freed us from the power of sin. Mm-hmm. So for me, if there's anything I'm excited to walk through in this series is to once remind us of the presence and the prevailing destruction that sin provides, but also the beautiful sacrifice of Christ and how we are now freed from it, delivered from it, and empowered to live mm-hmm. a life where it doesn't have to be the main thing that, that, that we function with. So to me, oddly enough, this series is going to help us to have a perspective of sin, but also to recognize that we're free from it so that we can actually start living in freedom the way that God intends. So that's the teaser is, man, theologically, spiritually, I mean, because Paul hits on that. Oh, I'm getting fired up now. He hits on everything. He talks about the need of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the practical obedience. Like he hits on so many yep. things. And so to me, it's like, it's, it's so functional because it shows my part, but it shows the Holy Spirit's part. Mm-hmm. Like it just shows that it all works together. 
Yes, and you know, like we talked about at the beginning, it's important how you think about these things. Yes, and it's important how you think of sin because yes. if you think of it, you know, incorrectly, if mm-hmm. you will, um, not that anybody hasn't mastered, except maybe Petey because he's doing his dissertation well, yeah, on for sin. Sure. But he's <laughs> definitely an exception in that. He's literally studied sin, so yeah. But it can <laughs> it can throw everything off in your Absolutely. life. So having a, a proper understanding of it to the best of our ability is yep. is super important. Last question before we head out. Currently where we sit, your Eagles are 2-0, and is that correct? That is absolutely correct. You're speaking truth. And um, <laughs> how are you feeling about the remainder of the season? Um, um, okay. I know we just got finished, finished speaking about faith and being people of hope. Um, so I, I try never to overreact because I've been an Eagles fan my entire life, and we've been 2-0 and before, <laughs> and I've been disappointed. However, I will say um, – they they look really good and i saw someone um some sports analyst say like you know what will be interesting seeing the eagles and the buffalo bills in the super bowl just because the buffalo bills have a really dynamic defense yeah but the eagles when their offense is firing on all cylinders like so i feel good yeah. i'm not trying to jinx it man but i really i really feel good about if everybody can be healthy Man, I like this again. I'm a, I'm not a skeptic, but I'm a realist. Yeah. Um. But I, I am more inspired now than I've been in a long You're time. You're saying there's hope. I'm saying there is absolutely hope. And we'll tie that back in. Yes, there is absolutely hope. And <laughs> and just being healthy. So that's part of my prayer. Is yeah. Just let everybody stay healthy because we look good. We look good last night, man. We look really good. Sorry to any Vikings fans, but they were they were abused oh man and with that (laughs) folks we'll wrap up our first episode of the new season of after the message yes so so pumped for this series and uh all that that god has for us in it so thanks so much pastor keith wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you're preaching this week Mm -hmm. so let like let me ask you a question Mm -hmm. how are you feeling man uh we're waiting on the lord okay <laughs> but i'm feeling good renewing our strength. I'm, I'm feeling good though yeah so who's going to interview you for after the message for like your own message yeah i was thinking about that i don't you know we i talked to you yesterday about some potential special guests coming yes. on uh so we'll see how all that works out would that be for this one yeah probably okay great yeah. then i love it yeah we'll see how it goes i love it make sure you guys <laughs> stay, stick with us and uh, uh for after the message and we will talk to you next week let's get it Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at celebrationorl.org.